Good evening, everybody. We are here back with our Q&A. Tucker Carlson is out of Fox News, but I'm still there with the good news. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> he's out of? Yeah, he's out of Fox News. Okay, no. okay, okay. I mean, the, 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 the Yeah, the contract is a different thing, <laughs> but he's not going to get. But as long as the Lord liveth, we shall, and we live, we shall continue with the good news. Amen. But there's only one good news and doesn't come from Fox News. <laughs> <laughs> so we just thank God for every opportunity he gives us to magnify his name yes. and edify his people. Amen. So this evening we have a few questions and we hope we can finish all those mm. questions. Not many, but we guess we'll be able to finish all those questions. And here we are. Yes. The power is back. Yes, the power is back. Yes, we'll have the first question, Pastor Vijay. So you can pray first. Father, we just thank you. We praise you, Lord. We come at this time into thy hands. We thank you, Father, for your mercies, your goodness. You brought us through another week, Lord. We thank you. We just thank you. We just thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We thank you that we are your children, that you saved us. Mm. We thank you you are always in control. It doesn't matter how bad it looks or how terrible it may seem. You will never miss a beat, Lord. You are always in control. Yes. And we have read the end of the book. Therefore, we can always give thanks and rejoice and praise you, Father, Amen. even this evening. We come at your children who send the questions and all those who are listening today over the days. We thank you for everyone. Now anoint us for this, Lord. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Pastor, the first question is uh, very straightforward and simple. Uh, question asks, how will we, how will we be united with Christ in resurrection? In the resurrection. Okay. We'll go to the Word of God. We'll first turn to 1 Corinthians 6.17, if I'm right. First Corinthians, the Lord is one spirit. Yeah, that's how it begins. First Corinthians, six, chapter six, and verse seventeen. Okay, he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with them. That's Amen. our beginning now. Yes. Okay, that's why we say salvation is not doctrine. Doctrine comes after salvation. <laughs> okay, it's a saved person who needs doctrine. Yes. The proof of the pudding or the evidence of your salvation is the Holy Spirit has come mm. and he is in your spirit. So the Holy Spirit and the, our spirit, he comes there and they become one. Okay, It's one spirit with him and over a period of time that unity grows. And that comes through all that, through doctrine, through faith, through prayer, through fasting, all the disciplines. These are all basically disciplines of the spirit. You become, it's like a husband and a wife. Let's talk about an arranged marriage. They get married, but over a period of time, they don't become one spirit. They become one soul. Mm. That's why you call them soulmates yes. because yes. they start to think alike. In that case, of course, both of them are changing and they have middle ground and they actually, their responses are same. And, uh, so you will, you will know like, if you were to ask the husband or the wife in a particular situation, you know the response will be the same. The decisions will be the same because they have become one in their primarily their thinking, their emotions, and therefore their will, which makes the decision. With the Lord, it is one spirit. 
it is one spirit. First he comes, and then as we learn to live by faith, to live by faith is primarily to be led by the spirit. Mm. Okay, then we are able to understand. No, after epistle, if you go to the end of the book in Revelation chapter twenty-two. Okay, when uh, Jesus says in verse twelve, when Jesus says, "Behold, I am coming." Quickly, and my reward is with, with me. me. Okay, the response is in verse seventeen. Okay, the response is in seventeen, where the spirit and the bride say, "Come," because so they have become one spirit. Yeah, they have become one spirit. Okay, the bride does not have a response which is different from the, the spirit. spirit. Okay, mm. see the diff- the response doesn't come from the bride. Okay, the response comes from the spirit. Like, unlike a man and a woman who gets married, ultimately both are changing and being conformed to the image of Christ. In salvation, Christ is not changing. Mm. This is the difference which we need to understand. Christ is not. This is a very, very important distinction. Because if we don't understand the distinction, we will cause havoc in our marriages. Because though there is a comparison, it is not absolute. Christ is God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He cannot change because he's God. He's perfect in everything. So the man or the woman who's saved is changing and being conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. But man is not God. Mm. And in many marriages, man is God. And he wants a woman alone to change. And that will create havoc. Your, your marriage will never be what God intended. That's where... Men abuse this concept about headship. The headship about Christ over man and the headship of man over uh, the woman is not the same. Mm-hmm. Because this is important. It is not the same. Because this, this is all play out ultimately in our eternity. I'll show you why it is not the same. Go to Ephesians. Okay. These are things if people right. understood and we all understood early, <laughs> it would save us a lot of trouble. Chapter 5. Yeah. And verse 22. Okay. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Okay. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Okay. So there, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be their own, to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wife just, so everywhere you will see, it is Christ who is brought in. Christ is brought in. So you need to understand, the first thing you need to understand is man is not Christ. He has to become Christ-like. He has to be Christ-like. There's something different about character and authority. Okay. Christ has both authority and character. We don't have character and we abuse authority. Okay, that's what happens. But God says over a period of time. Okay, over a period. So now come, coming to the question. Our beginning is the Holy Spirit. Different scriptures, starting with Ephesians, everywhere, the, the and starting with the Book of Acts, uh, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins, and you will receive the gift. The gift is the gift of the Holy Spirit. That is the gift, the promise of Abraham. The promise of Abraham also will come to the Gentiles, which is the Holy Spirit. That is a proof of our the evidence of our salvation is the Holy Spirit come to reside with us. 
and it that's where it begins but that is not where it ends mm. okay as many as who received him he gave them the, the authority, authority to become the children of god that is a word which is used about children mm. small children as many as are led is talking about matured now they have learned to become actually one spirit with god and that is that is the end of our salvation then if you go to first corinthians chapter 15 you will see what happens is the result of it is in resurrection okay verse uh, chapter 15 and uh, we will go to verse 47 onwards okay 47 onwards the first man was of the earth made of dust the second man is the lord from heaven so we were born of the first man and born again of the second man mm-hmm. so as a man of dust so are also those who are made of dust dust unto dust we will become this body will go into the dust because that this body is of the first man as is the heavenly man so also are those who are heavenly but there is another man inside who is of as we have borne the image of the man of dust we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man so oh yeah so our second image is going to be different there is another man inside mm, yes there's another man inside his image is not the same as the outside image okay so you don't have to get disappointed or discouraged when you look in the mirror because that is not the true image uh, sammy both the screens are flickering Flick, okay uh, yeah it's come back it's come back okay okay the thing is that what you see in the image is the old man and a lot of people get so upset by seeing the old man but that's not your real image your re- real image is the inside man and that is where we should be actually focusing on the inside man the inside man the mirror is the word of god and the spirit of god he shows us the bible says even though the outward man is perishing the inward man is being renewed okay so now when you come down further as we have born okay yeah verse 50 Uh, now this I say brother and that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God nor does corruption inherit mm. in corruption that is why the bible says he was one with the spirit okay yeah in the spirit that's a spirit man is one mm. but the outer man is flesh and blood he does not uh, inherit the kingdom of God because this body it's basically talking about this body this body cannot inherit the kingdom of God because it is it shares the image of the fallen man of adam the adamic man So what happens is at resurrection it's a mystery resurrection is a mystery i will tell you a mystery we shall not all sleep but we shall all be changed meaning he's talking about at the time of jesus coming those who are alive those who are dead we know from thessalonians will rise up first mm-hmm. in that order and this is what will happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet for the trumpet will sound the dead will be raised incorruptible meaning this body is corruptible the body we get will be incorruptible there will be no corruption in that body now you need to understand that is what it means a new man inside will only fit in with that body the outer man is perishing but the inward man is being renewed being renewed he's becoming more and more and more like christ in the nature so that man is a misfit in this body and mm. honestly you know if you the bible says you should be groaning in this body to be released out of this body because you know you are a misfit you know in like you know like i let us say the believers 
in our, in our churches, let us say, you are blindfolded or you are invited somewhere and you go there uh, innocently and then you realize it's a bar and they have drinks all being served over there. And most of our people, I believe, will be very uncomfortable. That setting is very uncomfortable for us because we are not, we are used to another kind of a setting. We are not used to that kind of a setting. Okay, in the same way, this inside man should get more and more and more uncomfortable with his body because he realizes he's a misfit in this. Mm. He's always that one of the reasons we say Maranatha come Lord Jesus is to escape from this body because the spirit of Christ is already in us. So we are not trying to escape something because he's already there, but we want to escape out of this body because this body becomes almost like what? It's an alien body. It, 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 it constricts us. We want to do like, we want to do so many things, but this body suddenly becomes a hindrance. No, everything about this body is corrupt. You are tired. Like the way we were talking just before we started, we were saying it's terrible because one, the temperature outside is almost 40 plus. You step out, it is so hot. You sit under the AC, it is so dry. It just sucks all the moisture from your body, from the room. So you are, summer is a terrible season in India because you feel so drained out and tired. Without doing anything. Without doing anything. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. that's your body. This old mm-hmm. nature of this old body. Mm-hmm. Though you want to do so many things, <laughs> your body is not permitting you. Okay. So what do the people in the world do? They take enhancers. They take drugs and steroids and all kind of things. But we don't do that. So they, the new man inside is always waiting for a release. And the Bible says, the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and the mortal man put on immortality. Mm-hmm. Two things happens. One, the nature of our body change. We receive a new body which can never be corruptible again, incorruptible. Second, we become immortal. We will never die again. We'll never die again. So this is basically what happens in resurrection to our bodies. What happens? We receive a new body a body which is incorruptible. And when we talk about incorruptible, I mean, think, no, I want to try to think about it. I I am not very sure because I've heard people say, one of the things they say, all that happened post-fall, okay, is one, um, we'll never be tired again. We'll never sweat again. We will probably never sleep again because we don't need to sleep for rest. We will not have to go to the restroom, washroom again. (laughs) All that is a result of the fall. Everything that is a result of the fall will be gone again. Okay, so you will suddenly realize our bodies, our nature will be like so many, like God of Israel either sleeps nor slumbers. Mm -hmm. If I'm preaching in heaven, I don't have to worry about waking up people. Nobody will be sleepy. No anxiety, no worry, no tension. Everything. It's gone. It's gone. Okay, it's gone. So, so you yeah. and then on top of that, faith becomes sight. Hmm. It's the most awesome part of it. Faith becomes hmm. sight. We see God. We see Jesus. 
we see all the saints from mm. Adam onwards. I believe Adam will be there. Though he goofed up, he will be there. How can he kick the first man out? <laughs> He'll be there. Adam will be there. Cain, I don't think so, but Abel will be there. So from Adam onwards, Adam, Eve, okay, all will be there. And all of our loved ones who made it, everybody. It's an awesome reunion. And, and we'll best, recognize everybody. We, we will recognize everybody, everybody and there'll the be no jealousy, no envy, nobody wants false pity, sympathy. <laughs> Nothing will be there. Hallelujah. We can be absolutely, totally free. Thank you, Lord. Nobody <laughs> will look down upon you. Nobody will look up to somebody. Everybody will be free. And we will enjoy somebody's success. God gives somebody 10 extra crowns. We will be truly be able to, from our heart, enjoy it. And not be jealous because nothing will be there. No demonic, no presence of sin, no power of sin, nothing. So that is what happens at resurrection. Thank you, Lord. It's a new world order. Not this new world order. <laughs> world order. It's a new creation altogether. There'll be no. I mean, there will be regret, but after some time, that also will go. Regret in the sense I could have done better, mm. you know. But the results are out anyway. So how long will that? Regret, <laughs> how long will like you know? If it's the final exam, results are out. Ah, I could have done better, but then after some time, that goes. It's over. It is finished. So it is going to be an awesome Amen. day. It is going to. Be. That's what I said. Whenever you are feeling down, read Revelation 21, 22. Yes, Lord. Thank you. What Lord. a day it will be. What Amen. a day Amen. of joy Amen. without end. Actually, okay. there's a hymn that, that says, Lord, hasten the day when my faith shall be sighted. Mm. The sun will roll back yes. like a scroll. Actually, <laughs> the Bible says that is when we will, we ourselves will know what we are. Ah. Even now, I don't we know don't myself. Know. None of us know yeah, ourselves. Three, because there is so much confusion and so many things hidden in our minds, the perception. We think I know myself, but we don't really no, know no, ourselves. Exactly. I And we will all know each other really as we are. And there will be no regrets that way. There will be no. So it's going to be an awesome day. Thank you, Lord. It's going to be an awesome day. Uh, yes. Pastor, there's another very interesting question. This has got to do with... Uh, yeah, maybe you should look at this. Uh, this is question number two. We'll go in that order. For God has bound everyone over to disobedience so that he may have mercy on all of them. That is Romans chapter 11 verse 32 is talking about yes. the mystery of Israel. Is it possible that God willingly subjected us all to disobedience in other, in order for us to truly desire his mercy? How do we apply this looking at Christ's work with Israel and Christ's work with the Gentiles? Okay, when we have to, we, mm. we have to understand there are two, two issues involved over here. Mm. One is God. God doesn't operate in vacuum. Mm. Okay. God has set what we call laws into motion. Laws into motion. Okay. That's why gravity works. That is why, why is man not able to walk on moon? Simply because those laws by which we walk on earth does not apply there. So we realize we cannot walk. To walk in moon, you have to go through a whole lot of training to walk differently. So we need to realize God has created. Why is not all these other planets? Why is that we cannot inhabit it? Because the conditions for life, which we humans need, is not available there. So everything, so when God does something, you need to realize there are laws behind it. And we also realize, you know, we, you know, now I am speaking. But when I studied in IFLO and did the phonetics course, they will give you in a complete set of laws by which every syllable is uttered. 
whole set of laws where your tongue has to touch the palate and when it touches the front of your teeth, how the sound changes. There are a whole set of laws which people who went into phonetics discovered. It is based on these laws. You you speak and words are formed. So, like, you know, like, let us say, English has 26 alphabets, but it has 40 sounds. Mm. So that is the confusion English creates with native speakers of other languages because our languages, alphabets and sounds are equal. But in English, no. So you need to realize unless you understand the laws of English, the language, you will not know how to speak. Speak the language. Like simple thing. When I was a young kid, when I sat with my mother and my mother would be doing something when I read, I read ISLA and has Island. Mm. Yeah. Because that is the same way it would be read if that same word was written in your na- native language. Yeah. My mother used to say, what are you reading? Mm. And I said, I'm reading what is written. ISLA and is Island. <laughs> but it is not Island, it is Island. island. The mm. question is then, why is the S sitting over there? Isn't it easier to re- write I and land? But that's not how the the rules of English works, the language works. So everything God has created has rules. So when the Bible says God has bound everyone over to disobedience, it means God had set a law into motion and he said, if you eat of this tree, you will die. Hmm. Okay, you will die. So the problem is when we ate, all the laws that was God had set would go against us or set into motion. So the Bible says everything was bound. Now if you go to Romans chapter 8 and uh, verse 20 and 21 and 22. Okay, 20 onward. For creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected in hope. What happened? Adam was like first, there was a rebellion in, in the heavenly realm. So, that is why if you look in Revelation 21, 1 and 2, why do we need a new heavens and a new earth? Because the old heaven was corrupted by Satan's rebellion and the earth was corrupted by Adam's rebellion. So, the laws automatically came into place. The laws, okay, so here, creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, not willingly. You see, Adam was put in charge of the whole of earth. He was a king. Okay, literally God's ordained in charge of the world. That's why to Adam are the blessings given yeah. to subdue, to rule, to reign. So when the king fell along with him, all of creation on earth fell. So what happens is this when the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly. The lion was not willing, the tiger was not willing, the trees were not willing, the rest of creation was not willing. But when the king fell, they all fell with him. That's it. When we, so we took them down with, with us. us. Yeah. Took them down with us. That's true. That's the thing. No? Took them down. That is why, like, you know, let us say, Prime Minister Modi makes a, a wrong decision. Whole country suffers. The whole country suffers because he is the making the decision. He's not making for himself. He's making for the country. Okay, mm. Now coming down to a very personal level, when a man, the head of, he's called the head of the house, when a man makes a wrong decision, he takes the whole house down. Absolutely. He takes his whole. You cannot, the wife and the children cannot escape that mm. decision That's he's making. Mm. 
if they go with that decision and if they have no choice but go with that decision you will realize the whole whole house goes down that's why they used to joke that adam literally adam and eve literally ate us out of this world god said don't eat that one thing mm. okay so of course they did not understand probably what death means because they had never seen death but when they ate death came into everything everything started dying the earth started dying the plants started dying the animals started dying everything started dying mm. okay so we need to understand what does it mean the creation was subjected to futility not willingly but because of him who but when he subjected it like i said on friday yes adam fell with him all of creation is messed up but there is a prophecy given the first prophecy in the bible is genesis 3:15 the seed of the woman okay mm-hmm. if sin came through woman salvation also will come through woman it is a seed of the woman okay he will come as a man but it's not the seed of man is the seed of the woman so when he subjected it how did he subject it he subjected it in hope so before god had created anything the godhead had already planned all these things out that is why jesus is called the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world so god is not surprised or caught by surprise this was all planned out mm-hmm. then only we'll understand god's wisdom because this is got to do with the two major facets of who god is god is holy righteous and god is love and if he has to have a creation in his image that will be both holy and mm-hmm. yet loving you will understand this is the only way bah. man has to be given the autonomy to, to choose yes. and then god has to redeem him and then out of love he will serve god oh all of eternity oh boy you oh will boy. realize there is no other logical way right. out because if you program him then he is a slave mm. then he 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 really doesn't love god he just fears god and he does not love god and he's just a slave but god doesn't want slaves he wants sons he wants sons it's a, it's, a, it's like god was in in the in the process of his his entire agenda was to create a race who will absolutely love him, love him. Willingly, willingly and serve him willingly and, serve him willingly. and he will serve us we will serve him. that's it that's how it okay and this is this is why the cross was kept a mystery yeah absolutely christ coming mm. christ dying on the cross was the best kept secret, secret in creation nobody knew about it except the father the son and the holy spirit that even when jesus spoke about it neither did the disciples understand nor did satan understand mm. it was a mystery because this is what uh, like the theologians say this is what devil thought he had put god in a catch 22 mm. situation put god in a box okay god loves man mm. god loves man and god is holy mm, righteous so god is righteous god is holy so if he makes man whom god loves to sin and then god destroys man then you can say god is not loving you could destroy what you love mm. now if god does not destroy punish man who has sin then you can say you are not righteous just, so he mm. thought you are unjust so he mm. thought you i put you in a box now what will you do now i can tell the whole of creation you are unloving 
or you are unrighteous. But the problem is God is both righteous and loving. <laughs> so what did God do? He didn't know. God had his answer. God took sin and put it on, on his son, son and allowed his son to die. So both his love and his righteousness. That's why the Bible says mercy and, and truth has kissed each, each, each other on the cross. The cross was a mystery. <laughs> the cross was a mystery. It was a mystery from everybody. <laughs> where mm. that was. No? And you look, actually when you start looking back, and you're thinking about it, and because you think the Bible is not logical, it's an extremely logical book. book. Because if you want to put logic, mm. you realize actually there is no other way. Absolutely. If you want a set of people who will both be holy and love God, this is the only mm. way out. There is no other way out. So what will happen is ultimately, like in Corinthians 15, Paul will say, God will be in all, and all, all will, will be, be in God. God. He's talking about the spirit. Like now we are all sitting here. Okay. What is common about all of us? Do you know what is common about all of us? We are breathing the same air. Mm. Nothing else. Yes. We drink different water. We drink different food. We sit in different places. We different different holes. We have different thoughts. But there is something that is common about all of us right now in this room is that we are all breathing the same air. And that is what Ruha is. What is the spirit is. Okay. It's not air. But that is the concept. God will be in all and all will be in God and we will realize this is. So when the, when you go back to that question, you know, God has bound everyone over to death. That's basically what it means. Bound meaning we, we broke the law and the law automatically starts taking into effect. So will, willingly subjected us to disobedience in other in order for us to truly desire his mercy. See, even when he is, like I said, what was the whole thing? The cross was always there. Yes. The cross was always there. That was always there. God had already planned it out. So even when, uh, that is the first thing he does in the garden. If you look into Genesis chapter 3, the first thing God does, the mm. act of God in Genesis 3 after the fall, if you look at is, is verse 21. Rest are all words. Okay, the first act of God in the garden, the act of God for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So the simple question to ask is, where did the skin come from? Mm. There's no death. Where did the skin come from? He didn't bring it from heaven. He got it on earth. So that means there was a sacrifice. There was a sacrifice. So there is a blood sacrifice over there for the atonement of man's fall. And you are covered with that skin. So your fig leaves won't work. You are covered with what God is providing and Adam and Eve. They are not sent out naked. They are covered and sent out. So the first act God says is that there will be an atonement by the blood of my son. When you believe it by faith, your covering will be the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God becomes our covering. Mm -hmm. So that is what God does. So that is what, so God had already planned it out and that's where mercy comes. Now going back, you have Israel and you have, you have Christ. Okay. Now the problem with Israel is God did not pick Israel because they were smarter than the others. Actually, they were the weakest of all. Okay? Yes. That's how God does. God picked one man, Abraham, and then through him comes a nation. But the problem with this nation is the nation rebelled against God. Okay, and finally you will see uh, Paul 
wiping, literally wiping his hands and says, okay, that's it. Now I am turning to the Gentiles. Okay, Bible talks about all day long I stood, mm-hmm. my hands stretched. But who has believed our report? So Israel rejects. Now what happens is hardening takes place in Israel and the gospel goes to the Gentiles. Go to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles starts receiving. So this is what we talk about that are in which it's this vision is given to Daniel. But Daniel wouldn't understand it. Nobody would understand it until the New Testament comes in. Mm-hmm. Because there are seventy weeks that are ordained for for Israel. But sixty nine week there is a gap. Between the sixty ninth week and the seventieth week there is a gap. And the gap is very long. People never realize that gap between the sixty nine before the seventieth start, there would be a gap of two thousand years. Mm-hmm. Because the church was a mystery. The mystery is revealed only to Apostle Paul. Nobody mm-hmm. understands the, the concept of a Gentile church. That did not even enter into there. That's why Paul and Peter and all were very upset when he was told to go to Cornelius' house. But he had to be told that vision three times before he would obey because the Israelites never factored Gentiles into God's salvation. Mm-hmm. And they confused the first coming with the second coming that uh, it is a material, physical kingdom of David being given back. They did not understand God is first coming to deal with sin. And then his second coming is to deal with a sinner and establish his kingdom. It bypassed them completely. So you will also see the disciples constantly asking this question, will be the kingdom be restored, kingdom be restored, kingdom be restored. Because they also didn't understand. So what is happening over here is with Israel, Hardening takes place and Gentiles are coming in. And once, right now what is happening is the Gentiles are sweeping in, coming in. Jews are trickling in. They have to accept Christ as a Messiah. So the number of the Jews who comes in are very, very few. They hardly call the Messianic Jews. But when the time of the Gentiles are over, over. It's almost over. It is over. It will flip. flip. The Gentiles will, will flip. Mm. Now the Gentiles will have to trickle in. Mm. One, the remnant of Israel will be saved. Mm. Okay. But this remnant of Israel will be primarily be saved during the tribulation period. The second half of it. The second half of it. That is why the concept is there. By then, the church is gone. Philadelphia is gone. Laodicea will be left. Laodicea and the remnant of Israel will have to die. And that is what we call the tribulation saints. Mm. So if you go to Revelation, you will see all over there how the Antichrist is given power. Okay, he is given power. Okay, in verse 12, 17. The dragon was enraged with the woman and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. But if you look at uh, verse 14, okay, verse 14, the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place where she is nourished for a time and a times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. serpent. So it seems like the remnant of Israel will be protected supernaturally by God. That three and a th- this God talking about three and a half years will be supernaturally protected. But when you come to chapter thirteen, okay, and verse eight, 
9 and 10. 13, 8, 9 and 10. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of the life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Remember, okay? Who, if anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads into captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. Okay, so there you will see the saints will die. The saints will die. Okay, there's another portion also where it will talk about the saints will die. Okay, so we have to realize this is where it, it talks about. Israel, how okay? God has allowed this to happen. God has allowed, but you know, the way out is the way of faith. Way of faith. But those who don't live by faith, you see. Okay, I'll show you. Revelation again, chapter twelve. Okay, Revelation chapter twelve. Okay, and verse twelve. 12.12 Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them, woe to the... So what happens is the church assumption, okay, if though for those who don't believe in rapture and those who believe in rapture, okay, what has happened is the church is no longer on earth. It is dwelling in the heavens. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows he has a short time. Because at that point, the devil will know very well he has only seven years. Absolutely clear. By man's time, calendar time, he has only seven years. He knows he has only seven years. So he will come. So it will be a mixture of God's wrath and the devil's wrath bah. on hmm. earth. He will take his wrath upon earth. God's people, those who will believe by sight. Mm. They will believe by sight because the church is taken over and suddenly everybody will realize everything that was preached and prophesied was true. You will have to believe. <laughs> okay, there is no need to believe by faith because it has happened. Mm. Okay, because they, they kept asking Jesus, give us a sign. He says, only one sign I will give you, the sign of Jonah. So when this prophesied sign takes place, okay, Antichrist has come. Okay, the mark has to be taken. You cannot buy yourself. And the glorious church has disappeared. Everybody who heard this and they were sitting there and doing their dreaming in church suddenly realized this is true. <laughs> Antichrist has come. Mark has to be taken. Laws have been changed. And the church has disappeared. They will believe. Because they realize now if we take the mark, we are gone. So we would rather die. Okay, so I believe there will be a kind of a union between the believing church then, the, the church that will believe and the Jews, and the Jews who and the believe. Jews. There will be a kind of a union. Maybe, we are just presuming that okay, these things will happen. Actually, but some, many of, some of the godly people actually say yeah. that. There will be a kind of a, kind of a, a union. So, basically at the end of tribulation, two-thirds of world population will be gone. Like if there are 8 billion people when tribulation begins, 6 billion will be dead. Okay, around 6 billion will be dead. Or if there is a 6 billion people, 4 billion will be dead. Only 2 billion will be left. They are the ones, Christ and the saints will rule and they will repopulate the earth. They will have our own same kind of bodies. 
but they will have children they will live up to like probably i don't know a couple of 100 years they may live and even the youngest one will be, be like 100 years, 100 years <laughs> old it will revert back to before the fall mm. where uh, animals will not kill each other man will not kill animals a child can lead so that is a millennial rule of christ jesus <coughs> the whole thing will change but in the process what god is doing is that he allows hardening to take place like you know uh, go back to the question you know you will see that is it possible willingly subjected us to disobedience see the the principle you will see this in when moses goes to egypt okay what happens is pharaoh hardens his heart first pharaoh hardens his heart then god hardens his heart Now, how how does god harden a person's heart okay the simple thing a simple easy way to understand this you make clay of your dough atta no mix it with water and keep it under the fan and put it on full speed after some time the dough becomes hard mm-hmm. how did it become hard moisture because the moisture left okay so if god's spirit leaves a man's heart his heart will become hard what keeps a man's heart tender the spirit of god yeah. even in an unbeliever yes yes even yes. in unbeliever though he does not know god he is mm. still breathing the same air i'm using an illustration mm. the spirit of god is always over it so when is the man of perdition revealed the holy spirit when the restrainer mm. is removed so as the holy spirit that's what we have to be very wow. careful about the hardening of our hearts mm. we always always tell people be very very careful and it's very the most important place is to see is in your home mm. no uh, there's a place you know um, where god tells in one of the letters husbands do not be bitter towards your wives <coughs> okay husband wife parents children children parents this one family at church okay these are two families families in which we operate we have to be very very <coughs> careful that there is not a hardening take place hardening take place because when a hardening takes place it is basically after so much persuasion from the holy spirit we refuse to be tender towards your spouse or your children or your church but the holy spirit is there but it just withdraws from that area oh. when you withdraw from the area automatically you are hard towards that person because the holy spirit that makes you tender he is the spirit of god okay so that is where it doesn't mean you have lost your salvation or anything i'm not don't confuse salvation salvation is not by works but what will happen is you lose your anointing lose your anointing your anointing and once you start losing your anointing you do not become useful for god not become useful world you will start operating in, in the, the flesh. flesh start operating in the flesh okay so the holy spirit just goes silent in one area of your life okay it's like you know, one light goes up another light goes up another light goes up in your soul no it doesn't speak as spoke to you many times that's what happened to king saul after that god wouldn't speak to him he tried all but of course he went into the demonic and the witchcraft and all that but the fact is that can happen to a believer also i told you so many times now you learn the hard way okay that's where we have to be very very careful about it 
That's what I said, no? Please don't get confused. The purpose of doctrine is for living. We are not learning doctrine for doctrine's sake. See, the problem is modern education has messed up the church. In modern education, we learn subjects to pass an exam. Understand the difference? We learn subjects to pass an exam. The minute the exam is passed, we throw the textbooks away. We forget what we learned because we crossed an exam. And we bring the same thing into church. We listen to a message. This is the doctrine. Okay, I understood the doctrine. We go out and forget it without realizing. You're not writing an exam. Mm. That doctrine is for living. That's why it is written. They gathered steadfastly for the apostles' doctrine. The next thing is fellowship. If the doctrine does not work in fellowship, you haven't, in God's eyes, you haven't passed the exam. It has to be lived out in your home. It has to be lived out in your life. It has to be lived out in your church. And of course, when you go out, the office places, you have to live out it with the with the Gentiles too, the unbelieving ones too. Otherwise, it hasn't worked. That's why we say the old form of education was different. The old form of education, let's say Jesus' education. His father, Joseph, taught him Torah and his father taught him carpentry. So his education is being lived out. What his father is teaching him is making him a carpenter. Mm. Yep. That was how it was for thousands of years. Okay, into India, what we put, we of course made into a terrible kind of a rigid caste system and put people down, okay, into this thing and said, this is what you will do and you cannot cross. But that never happened in the Jewish system. No, no, no. Never happened in the Jewish system. Mm. In the Jewish system, it did not matter. Except which, the Levites. Yeah, except, except the, the Levites, Levites were set apart for, for a particular work. But yeah. it did not matter which tribe. All tribes were equal. And all of them, what didn't matter what kind of work you did, it did not matter. You could be from, from the tribe of Benjamin and be a cobbler, and you could be from the tribe of Judah, and you could be a no, have some, and you could marry. There was no this thing. That is, but in other religions, what happened? This class division came. Severe class division came in. So you will see, we have to be very careful mm. because our education system, our education system. It's not teaching us to live. It's not teaching us to live. And we take that same approach into the church. Okay, and that's official look at I mean I know personally. And all the goof ups you made, it's not because you did not know doctrine, because the doctrine did not become life. And in the church also, wherever you see a mess, it is either one party or both parties are listening, but they're not practicing. Wow. They're not practicing. That doctrine becomes life. Life. The doctrine becomes life. It is that's why it is called the doctrine of Christ. Christ. Yeah. It's how a does, person. How does person Christ live? live? This is person. how he lives. Yeah. 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 That's how if you want it, the old this that's what Jesus says. A new commandment I give you. The old commandment was love God with all your heart, all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. The new commandment he says is I give. Lay down your life. Lay down your life. Lay down. And it's very simple. A lot of people who are so confused and anxious and worried, and they're not laying down their life. They're picking up their own lives. Mm. If you look at it, simplicity, <laughs> it is very simple. This life is very simple. Okay, Like you wake up in the morning, the first thing you need to realize, let us say John Richie is sitting over here. He's a young man, unmarried young man. He wakes up in his morning, in his house, as far as I know, his father is there, his mother is there, his brother is abroad. So there are three people. The first thing he has to talk of is, of course, his devotions. Pray and look around and see what can I do to make 
my parents life is it before i go to what is that i can do if you just were to do that and practice it you know what happens his doctrine has become practical mm. become practical and you will see automatically the life of christ, christ is, flowing. is flowing yes bah. christ is flowing this is what jesus is doing mm. he wakes up early in the morning he finds a place worships his father praises thanksgiving prays intercedes then he comes down and says let's go mm. let's see what we can do for the others and you will realize the life of his father is flowing through him continuously what is he doing he is laying down his life he is not picking his life and everybody is picking up their life when jesus says no do not worry seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you do not worry about today but sufficient is today but when you start worrying you already picked up you already picked up you already mm. picked if you it's, it's the god like i said the gospel is very simple the gospel has to be lived out the gospel have to be lived out you know because people always worry about what will happen to me in heaven god says just live it out you don't have to worry about what will happen in heaven just live it out you just live that out and then you go to the next place like he's he teaches so the next thing to do is that okay i have to go to college and teach and this is the subject i have to teach and these are my students so i have to put down my life so that i give my best to my students mm. okay but i'm not competing with anybody else but i want to give this is my subject i want to spend time on it i want to give my best to my students mm. so everywhere if you look at look at laying down your life you will realize what will happen is there is an automatic inflow of god his life will flow into it and at the end of the day like this like i said i kept saying even in the other place i said it is good to it is okay to be tired it's okay to be tired when jesus was tired when he walked down samaria he sat down by the well because he was tired and the woman came to him he was so tired he fell asleep in a boat and even the storm did not wake him up that's a tiredness of the body because he's laying down his life for others But don't grow weary in your spirit. spirit. Mm. You grow weary in your soul from what? From well doing. Mm. Have you noticed people do not grow weary in evil doing? <laughs> Have you noticed that? They can drink till early hours. <laughs> okay. They can watch. They can do all kinds of and they can take enhancers and stay away. Evil doing people don't grow weary. You know, you fall asleep, you get back and again go back to doing evil. but we get weary of well doing because the problem is why do people get weary of well doing they get weary because they want a response result. they result. want yeah. they want a result or they want a response okay. and so often you don't get a response because the response is kept for another day okay. you look at revelation uh, sorry hebrews chapter 11 okay and verse 34 yeah verse 35 onwards till the end okay okay 35 to 39 or to 40 revelation okay women received their dead raised to life again others were tortured not accepting deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection a better resurrection still other had trials of mockings and scourgings yes and of chains and imprisonment they were stoned they were sawn into two 
were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains, in dens and caves of the earth. All these having obtained a good testimony through faith. They obtained a good testimony through faith. But, but did not receive the promise. Did not receive the promise. Mm. They did not receive the promise. Why? God having provided something better, better for, for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. So she has kept a day. See, the day of judgment mm. for the unbeliever and the day of judgment for the believer are two different things. Completely two different things. For them it is punishment. For us it is rewards. But you need to realize these people did not grow weary in well-doing. They continued doing. They did not fail. Everybody is hoping for the rewards, rapture, no, every generation of expected rapture. But they didn't get raptured. Many got captured. Many got killed, sawn into two, imprisoned. But they kept on doing what they had to do. They didn't get what was promised. They did not even... Abraham did not receive that promise. He did not see his descendants possess the land. One day it happened, but he didn't see it. But you know what? There's a day coming. Mm-hmm. Unless you have that hope, people will give up. Because if you hope is centered in this life, mm. you will grow weary. That's why the book of Galatians says, do not grow six days. Do not grow weary in well-doing. Go to Galatians 6. 6, 9. Yeah, Galatians 6, 9. No? Got it? Yes. Yeah. I was 6, 9. Let us not. Okay. Let us not grow weary while doing good mm-hmm. for in In due due season season. a season is decided by God we shall reap if we do not lose heart heart. a lot of people give up a lot of people give up because they're caught in the temporal in the temporary they give up they give up but you should never quit because many of the rewards promised we may not get in this life but it is promised in the other life it is promised absolutely promised in the other life so we have to learn. That is how it is. So Israel, Gentiles, and how God has, you know, so that he can show his mercy. And then when we receive that mercy, we become people of mercy. We become people of mercy. Okay, That is why uh, in the Beatitudes, the blessing connected with mercy is different from all the others. Mm. All the Mm. That is why that parable about that servant. Because we have to be very, very careful about this because that's why we call this ministries as mercy Mercy ministries. ministries. Why? Because we were recipients of, I was a sinner on and God showed mercy to me. Now it's my chance. How, How do I repay back to God? I can never, but I can do one thing. I can show it to my brothers. I can show it to that, you know, so that is what we are showing. I'm a recipient of mercy. Like I'm a recipient of mercy, so I will show mercy. So all that the church does is basically mercy ministry. Hmm. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So this is another question, which is, I think, kind of a corollary, if you will. It's question number three. Uh, it says, uh, what would you say concerning giving? In Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 4, we talk, it talks about giving in secret. Okay. And Acts chapter 5 verses 1 to 11 talking about the episode of Ananias and Sapphira. I, I suppose both are charitable deeds. 
then shouldn't the same principle of Matthew chapter 6 concerning giving apply to Acts chapter 5? If not, what is the spirit's balance or reconciliation of both scriptures? Okay. One, it is talking in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is primarily, he is talking to the religious people. He is talking to the religious people for whom giving is a big thing. Okay. Prayer is a big thing. It's mm-hmm. all public. It's all done. It's not done in secret. They, 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 these are people who do not have a secret life with God. Mm-hmm. They have only a public life. If you go back to Matthew chapter 6, where it talks, you have to look into the context and don't generally take it and apply it. Then we will go wrong. Okay? Chapter 6. Okay? Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Okay? So, if you read it very carefully, Take heed, you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. What does it mean? Why is it not coming on the screens? Okay. Which means, if you rewrite that sentence, you can write it that. You can do your charitable deeds before men, but it is not to be seen by them. Your motive is not that they should do. Oh. Okay. This is the difference between what is happening in the book of Acts. In the book of Acts, they are not doing it to be seen by men. But Ananas and Sapphira was doing it to be seen by men. Mm. And immediately judgment came in. Immediately judgment came in. They were not doing it for to be... They were doing it for to be seen by men. So it's a question is, is the motive. Are you doing it to be seen by men? You, you can take it the wrong way and actually do everything secretly... Okay, because you are reading it wrongly. Mm. Reading it wrongly. Okay, now let us let us let us say you're walking down the road. There's a beggar who is hungry. How are you going to do it secretly? Oh, I have to do it secretly. But if I do it, everybody will see me. The problem is the poor fellow will go hungry <laughs> because you read scripture wrongly. The principle. <laughs> How did Jesus say, "Let your works shine, so that they will know, they mm. will see." Because this is a lifestyle mm. which cannot be hidden. Which cannot be hidden. There are people in religious works, the motive is either you or man. Oh. Motive you, like in our religion, in major religion in our country. The good deeds you do is got to do with nothing to do with the other person. It's got to do with you because it will help your karma. Help your karma. Because on that day, if your good deeds outdo your bad deeds, you have better karma. You can probably come back as a higher level. So, your good deeds has got nothing to do with the other person. It has got to do with you. Or, your good deeds has to do with the, to be recognized. So, you will have bench donated by lion so and so. The fellow who is sitting there is these bother who donated it. But you want to be seen hmm. by men. So, if you look over there, look, if you look at words too, you will understand Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. They may have glory from men. So their motive is they want men to glorify them. Oh, he's such a kind man. Oh, he's such a generous man. Oh, he's a philanthropist. That is a motive. Okay, 
Now you can do it without that motive and still be called by people. He's actually a generous man, but it does not matter. Yeah, exactly. Does not because matter. you didn't do it for that. Yeah, you didn't do it for, for that. that. But mm-hmm. the the result can be the same. People will say, "Oh, yeah, he's a generous man because every time he gives or she gives." Okay, so we don't take it wrong. We don't. We don't. But you see, this is what God is saying. Okay, I assuredly I say to you, they have yeah, their yeah. reward. Mm. Why did they give? To be recognized by men. Yeah, got it. Men recognize them. They got their reward. When they reach heaven, God says, well, you already got your reward on earth. <laughs> <laughs> you already got the reward on earth. Like you cannot be punished twice for the same crime. You cannot be rewarded twice for the same way. You did it for man. Man gave it to you. So it is fine. Your motive was not God. It was not God. It was man. You got it from man. Okay. So now look at it. When you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret. And your father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. So what happens is that when it becomes a lifestyle, what will happen is that God will reward you sometimes, often, openly on earth. Because after some time, people will recognize this person, man, oh, he's a very kind person, mm. very loving person, very merciful person. How can you hide mercy? Yeah. Let so. me ask you this question. How do you show mercy secretly? Mm. <laughs> How do you show mercy secretly? You cannot show mercy secretly. Mercy is, it is it will be always seen publicly. Why did the sinners crowd around Jesus? Because they understood one this thing. He's an extremely merciful man. He will never compromise on truth, but never will he take the truth and hammer man on the head. You'll tell the truth and tell you, this is the truth. I forgive you. Don't go and sin again. Okay. The Pharisees also spoke from the same word, but people fled in the opposite direction. <laughs> Fled <laughs> in the opposite direction. So please don't confuse it because there are a lot of people take this and confuse it because what happens is you will be always what what the actual word I'm trying to do. You'll always struggle because what is happening is you are actually now working against the principle of the life of God. Because you're trying to do everything in secret because you took it wrong. How do you heal a person in secret? How do you pray for somebody in secret other than your prayer personal? How do you show mercy to a, a person in secret? How do you feed a hungry man in secret? How do you do all these things secret? So now what is happening? The tension is because you read this wrong, you're always trying to do something secret while so much of these things have to be done in public. Mm. Okay. So God is saying what you need to do is Get your heart right. You are not doing anything to be applauded by men. Mm. Whether men reward you or not, Not it is not going to stop you from doing this. The problem is, how you will know it, that if people don't see you say a thank you, and doesn't this thing, after some time what happens is, I'm telling you, honestly it happens in the church all the time. Because you see, especially in our church, because our church, like I said, there are no conscripts. There are only volunteers. Only volunteers. You can choose to volunteer and do something or not do something. But probably once a year you may hear a thank you from me, which I automatically forget to say thank you. 
because in all this seeker friendly everybody's name is read out and thank this team and i'm not saying it shouldn't be done but the whole problem the whole issue is here you are not doing it for me hmm. you're not doing it for me we are doing it for god and we are doing it for a kingdom so you should be able to do it as a privilege as a privilege yeah. as a honor all your life yes yes all absolutely without even ever receiving a thank you i'm not saying you shouldn't say thank you should say thank you that's part of it you know like i said if you read the gospels how many places do you see people coming and thanking jesus for what he did he even asked them 10 of you lepers what happened to the other night did it ever stop him from doing what he was called to do no. even all the way to the cross and you don't see anybody saying thank you okay so what we are do see saying thank you was actually for the other people and not for him you know because yeah, it was good for them no, right? we should be yeah, i'm yeah, not yeah, I'm, yeah. please don't misunderstand me because gratitude is is inbuilt built, into that yeah, exactly, life god's right, life exactly. no? inbuilt into that life mm-hmm. but my question is if somebody doesn't say thank you somebody doesn't praise you somebody doesn't say your work was so great will it stop you slowly from giving up mm-hmm. that is what galatians we are doing good 59 was talking about six, do not 69 was do not grow weary in well doing when do we grow because you don't see, i don't know what he says thank you to me i do it i am the first one to come to church i open everything i clean i am the only one i am not even noticed but god says i notice you mm. i see you mm. i see you. and there is a day of reward mm-hmm. i'm praying nobody recognizes me praying mm. i'm doing all this nobody sees my service god says but i do i do it should not stop you hmm. stop you but on the other hand you are recognized you are rewarded and that should not be your motivation either it should not be your motivation either okay then what will happen is jealousy and envy will come when getting a temporal reward a commendation becomes Somebody. motivation then when commendation does not come you become discouraged kya baat hai discouraged mm. and then you become envious so you you are not able to stand somebody else being commended so kane is upset but god is saying why are you upset with mm. your brother mm-hmm. because you need to just look at what you have done if you do right just like he's done right you also will be accepted you've done something wrong he's mm. done something right so why are you upset with the fellow who did right you should be upset with yourself because you did wrong because we have to see all these things because this is what plays out and people cover it nicely whitewash and say i'm making this decision because but all is lot of bunk up the problem is they haven't understand how the kingdom works how the kingdom works okay how the kingdom works and that is david david was a man like that okay david was a man see the crown never got into his, his heart head, yeah, never got into his head or never he always for him christ was king and he was grateful to be a servant wow. absolutely grateful to a servant but problem is the crown got into saul's head mm. saul's it. head okay and he couldn't handle anybody else being complimented <laughs> okay, he couldn't then he's out to destroy that person okay and that's what the bible is talking about so don't mistake it don't get it wrong what matthew 6 talks about and what is happening in acts chapter 2 
and Acts chapter 5, it's become a lifestyle. Mm. Everybody is giving over there. Everybody is giving. It's become the life of God. Everybody is doing it publicly. Everybody is giving, taking everything over there. And then into that midst comes two people. They are not doing it for God. They are not even doing it for the people. They are not doing it for themselves. They are doing it so that they would be recognized as philanthropists because they are so Barnabas. There are two motives. One to be recognized as generous. Second to be included yeah. among the, the apostles. apostles, the leadership. And that's why And that's why the Spirit of God came and stopped them and said, it was yours. You didn't have to do it. You didn't have to do it that way. So we have to be very, very careful. Because this should be the mm. motivation. Because this is the only way you will survive mm. in the kingdom of God. What motivates you? A lot of people, and they wander around, water around, wander around, wander around. All their life they want. One church to another church to another church to another church to another church. They wander around because the motivation was always wrong. There are some people, their motivation is right and they are in one church all their life. Mm. Unless God tells them to move to another place. It doesn't stop them. Because their heart was right. They knew. And everybody knows that is a person who is doing it. Yet he keeps doing it. He or she may not be complimented. Okay? Oh, but no. that does not stop no, them no, from no. doing it. Because they realize this is the life of Christ. Yeah. Okay? And that's how Christ loved. Three and a half years, all the way up to the cross. Hmm. He's still giving. And he's still merciful. And he's still forgiving. Okay? So that's how you have to see. Don't mistake. Because a lot of people mistake Matthew chapter 6. And you know what? They read it wrongly. And they themselves become a stumbling block. Because God actually wants to use them to give openly, but they will not give openly because they have read this wrong. And the law. need is wrong. Mm. It's become a law for mm. them. Law. The need can be only met openly. Mm. There's no way it can be met <laughs> secretly. There's no way it can be met secretly. It can only be met openly. So what do you do? Oh, I have to give secretly. So, But how can you give certain things which can be only done openly? How can you do it secretly? Okay, so don't make it a law. That's mm. not what Christ meant. That is not what Christ meant at all. Because I'll show you and give you a proof over there. If you go back to Matthew 6. Matthew chapter 6. Okay. Verse 16. And to 18. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance. For they disfigure their faces, they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. One look at them and say, are you fasting? Yes, fast. <laughs> they got their I reward. Mean, okay. I mean, the, the construction is very interesting. They disfigure their faces. <laughs> okay. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but your father who is in secret place. Now, let me ask you this question. If you take it as a law, hmm. the church can have never have a fast. Fast, exactly. Only personal secret fasting is allowed. You can, which no, church will say, we are on a three-day fast, we are on a seven-day fast, we are on a 21-day fast, we are on a 40-day fast. Okay? This is a corporate fasting. This is different. Corporate. But that's not what God <laughs> is talking about. Yeah, he says, don't do fast to get approval. Oh, mm. he's, a, he's a very spiritual man. Look at him. He's fasting. Fasting. Well, like we have in the other religion, all those marks here, 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 everywhere. Oh, he's a very religious man. He's a very religious man. And the person says, don't put all. That's how the Pharisees walked. 
they had mm. blinkers no okay woman i should not look at a woman with lust here all the marks on his head where he hit the trees and all this <laughs> whole he man jesus said all these things make no difference they can keep their eyes closed with all your marks in your head and with lust still in their eyes lusting with their eyes these things don't that's why you need to if, if only when you understand scripture you will understand why did the pharisees hate and jesus so much he said you are such such hypocrites <laughs> at least the sinners sin in open and they enjoy <laughs> it <laughs> you guys are such hypocrites <laughs> oh boy so isn't it very not interesting i would say but it's very significant the fact that it is the people who were more religious who were were the people who crucified god or so against it's because they could not accept the fact of a righteousness that comes by faith alone where works are not involved mm. because religion is entirely based on based that. on works that's mm. why it's so difficult to save mm. religiously righteous people because you <laughs> have to because i know how much i struggled with my mother <laughs> because on my mother's side all the family you know father said i didn't know that much my mother said the family because of the fact where they were they were all hard workers industries integrity everything and to tell them to believe in the work of jesus christ alone that your works have no meaning at all for salvation it's a very difficult thing i mean meaning their entire life is full of works mm. okay life is full of works okay it's like you know you wake up in the morning and suddenly you realize you're not in india and you are in let us say us and you look your wallet is full of money and you take the money out and this your money is worth nothing over here and you really my gosh i worked all my life this is my money and my money is worth nothing and this is not worth nothing over here it's same thing religion your entire religious life is full of works and it's full of good works but when it comes to salvation it's worth nothing it is worth nothing hmm. and so the sinners it was easy for the sinners to receive the gospel so hmm. see even in india in india it's not work so much most of the people who automatically get saved and come in are from the lower caste mm. because they look at it as what my god accepts me as an equal i'm a child of the living god that's it i'm a child of the living god you mean to say there is no caste no race no class divisions in the kingdom of god that i'm as equal as anybody else that no i can receive the righteousness of god by faith okay like let's look at yesterday's news uh in up fam right or i don't know whether rajasthan or up or something a dalit was beaten up groom was beaten up because he dared to ride ride a horse for his wedding rajasthan 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 dared to ride a horse for his wedding this is 75 years after the independence, independence. we will not a dalit you lower caste ride a horse for your wedding that's only for the upper caste the beat him up okay okay that is what the government means conversion by inducement that's why they want to bring that okay because they are trying to escape the caste system okay. that is why even ambedkar could not escape that pull because in the constitution it was put that if you convert to islam or christianity you lose your sc status and all the privileges that come with it because in islam and in christianity there is no, no caste. caste but the problem is you made a 
ethical moral mistake over here yes, yes. because there is no caste in Islam and there is no caste in Christianity. But a man or a woman who has been subject to this system for 5,000 years, when he becomes a Christian, all the oppression and the disadvantages he faced is not going to go in one day. Yeah. So he needs the same. You can just wash your hands off. You can wash your hands mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. But exactly. they did it deliberately. Exactly. They exactly. They can't just wash but, hands. but then to Christians, I will tell them. I mean, tell them. They said, we don't need that. Exactly. We don't need that. But having you, said that. Having said that, I said, as a, secu- as a secular society should accept it. It's mm. wrong. It is not wrong. Whether he becomes Christian or, or the fact that before that he was an SC. And that had subjugated him from all the basic rights in a society. So he needs a push. He needs a helping hand. So the same privileges should be given to him, even if he converts. Conversion has got to do with faith. Mm. It's not got to do with your status. Your status still remains the same. But to the Christian, I will tell them, you don't need it. You don't need it. What you need is faith. Mm -hmm. Because God has made those who are poor, rich in faith. You don't need it because our life, our steps are ordered by God. But to walk in that order, what you need is faith. Our life has been ordered by God. Our steps have been ordered by God. But the problem is, because it has been ordered by God, it does not mean I will automatically walk in it. Yeah. Then all the Christians must be walking in God's order. No, they're walking in their own ordered steps. The problem is, to walk in that, you need faith. Mm. And if you have faith, then it does not matter, matter what your background is. It does not matter what your background, how long your ancestors. Because you see, God's, like I told you, God's answer to every problem is a change of fatherhood. Because everything is passed down from the father. father. Iniquity, curses, everything comes down. So God says, you know what? Salvation, I change your father. I am your father. That's it. So the old has passed away. <clears throat> Behold, everything has become I'm telling you, you want to escape oppression of your mind. You begin your day. I am of God. Like I said, a lot of people know a right doctrine. They never say it. As long as you haven't said it, it has no power. It has no power. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. Everything works in two things. One, you have to believe. Second, you have to speak. You have to walk free like that. You have to wake up in the morning and make your proclamations. I am a child of the living God. All things have passed away. I have peace with God. Today I am entering into the grace which I need for today. My daily bread, my father has said, he will give me. Okay. I will do one thing he has asked me to do. I choose to forgive mm. all those who have trespassed against me. And Lord, I am still vulnerable as long as I am in this body, in this world demonic and the world and the flesh is there. Therefore, lead me not into temptation. Deliver me from the power of the evil. Amen. And I say that mm. because I know thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory. You make it practical every day and speak and you will realize the enemy does not have the power to oppress you. Does not have the power to oppress you because you are believing and you are speaking it out. Every day you are believing and speaking. You have to learn to speak. You have to learn to speak. But speaking alone is not enough. You have to believe. But the more you speak, how did you believe a lie? Because you spoke it most. And thought about it and spoke it so many times. In the same way, how do you believe a truth? Because you meditate on it and you speak it. One thing about God's <laughs> word is that you can always speak it because whether you believe it or not, it is true. Yeah. 
The problem is other things, there is no, no guarantee it is true. You can believe it and speak it and it can be an absolute lie. Mm-hmm. But with the word of God, it is true. So everything that God says about you is true. It is true. So you have to say, all these things are coming upon earth. There is war, there is pestilence, there is famine, there is sword. But in all these things, God I'm, says, I am more, more than, than a conqueror. conqueror. Yes. Therefore, I am more than a conqueror. Because none of these things can separate from, from the most important thing in life, from the love of God. Amen. Love of God. Okay. And God has said that, therefore I believe it. You have to learn to make your confessions and you will read. If you don't make your confessions, oppression will come. Oppression will come. When you make your confessions, <coughs> your proclamations and you praise and you thank God, you will realize, you know what, the devil leaves you alone. He will look for an opportune moment, but he will leave you alone. Then he will try to attack you through other He never attacked Jesus directly after that. He <coughs> left him alone. He attacked him through people, but Jesus ignored them. He ignored them. He didn't allow them to rent space in his mind. Pharisees came, they asked questions, he gave another question and answer, and they left him alone. See, the problem is that instead of allowing God's word to be in our minds, minds. our hearts, and to speak it out, we are allowing the words of people, allowing them to live in our minds, rent free. Mm. And it upsets us. Mm. And God says, you cannot live like that. This is the way to live. So even all these things, be very careful that you read it correctly. Mm. Right, I do. Yes. If you read it wrong, let me ask you this question. Let me ask this. The question is a very important question. Yes, let me yes. ask you this question. Simple question. A home. Let us say a home. A home of let's say seven or let's Pastor Vijay. It's a home of five people. Pastor Vijay, Justin, and the three children. How do you do your good deeds secretly in a home? <laughs> <laughs> it is demanded you do it publicly. Absolutely. <laughs> you cannot do it secretly. You have to show open. You have to do it openly. <laughs> in the same way. How do you do your good do it secretly in, in a church? church? Which is a home. <laughs> exactly. It's a home. Exactly. You have to do it. Well, it doesn't matter. No. Actually, when you do it, let's go to Hebrews. Right? Chapter 9. Gathering of one another. Yes, yes. yes. Chapter 9. Ten, right? ten, ten. Yes, 10, 24, 25, 26, 27. Okay. 10, 24. 25, yes, Pastor. Yeah. yeah, no, no, I don't want to go to 25. I want you to go to 23, 24, and 20, 25, okay? 20, okay, yeah. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope. See, again, confession comes. <laughs> the problem is we don't confess. <laughs> Without wavering, meaning every day make your confessions. Without wavering, make your confession. That's a confession of your hope. It's coming. God has said, I believe it. I'm not believing my thoughts, the enemy's thoughts. I'm believing what he has said. For he who promised is faithful. And then, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. How do you do that? Because when you keep on doing good works, it spurs the other person to do good works. Absolutely. Mm. Let there be competition of good works in the church. (laughs) (laughs) It's good for the church, good for everybody. That's what the Bible is saying. Consider one another in order to one. First, stir up love. It is done. The reason is love. The reason is not reward appreciation, all that. It is not that. It is not that. The reason is to stir up love and good works. That's why we have to be very, very careful because the modern mentality is to appreciate your children for everything they do. You are the best baby in the world. You are the smartest baby in the world and all that. And after that, the baby starts actually believing that. And unless it is rewarded, 
or appreciated, it will not do anything. And when it is not rewarded and appreciated, it feels feels upset. Upset. Okay. But though you have to encourage the child to do all that, but you need to also that this is this is life. This is life. This is how how we do things in the home. It is life. Okay. That is what Jesus would say in that parable. The master has come in the evening and uh, does he tell, oh, servant, you work the whole day, <laughs> now go sleep. He says, no, you expect the servant to wait on him. And after that, he doesn't say when I thank you. Mm. The servant should say, like, it's my duty. Mm. It's my duty. You know, we, we forget this principle of duty. Okay. If we all understood the concept about See, to do your duty, you don't need any other impetus to do your duty. This is your duty. It's your duty. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> it's your duty. <laughs> the rewards are in heaven. Okay? You have to do your duty. Okay? And like, you know, this is not a work like an office for which you get a salary. In the home and in the church, what we have is duty. We are duty bound. Okay? I'm show you. <laughs> it's very, it's, I don't know if it's in... NIV translation or go to First Corinthians chapter seven. Okay, seven. Voice me, I don't preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Not yeah, just go to NIV. Okay. Got it? NIV. First uh, Corinthians chapter seven, on verse three, four. A husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise the wife to her husband. The wife's body does not belong to her alone but also to her husband. In the same way, the husband's body does not belong to him alone but also. What does God bring over there? He brings duty. Oh, I don't feel like today. But she wants it because it's your duty. It's your duty. I bring duty here. He wants it. She does it. God says, duty. We're not talking about abuse. We're talking about duty. Mm. So first, this is one of the most intimate part of a man and his wife's relationship. And God brings duty over there. So if duty comes into the marriage bed, how can duty be taken out from everything else? Yeah, the most intimate part. Of everything mm-hmm. else. Mm-hmm. So you don't need another reason. It is my Absolutely. duty. Mm-hmm. It is my duty. Mm-hmm. So when you wake up in the morning, you need to look at what is my duty. Mm-hmm. What is that I can do? That is the laying down of life. Okay, That's the laying down of life. And when you do it consistently, it becomes part of your life. And it doesn't matter. Like I said, if Jesus was going to wait for either a thank you or upset by the criticism, he wouldn't have done anything. Because he he only faced criticism from the religious class who should have appreciated him. And the other class never thanked him. Oh. It never stopped him because okay. he knew who sent him. And what he was saying, he went about, about doing good. good. That's it. <laughs> How many people thanked him? That was his motive. <laughs> Nobody, very few people thanked him. It didn't stop him. Did the religious class who should have supported him, they criticized him, everybody. Never stopped him. So we need to under, get these concepts very, very, very clearly because you know what? People get upset and discouraged and depressed and they stop doing it. And the problem is 
in a church or in a home. I'm only using these two illustrations, okay? Only two illustrations because that's primarily our life. When one person stops doing what he or she is supposed to do, the burden starts falling upon the others. And if they also don't do, the whole system starts falling apart. Wow. Falling apart. Mm. Falling apart. Usually, there will be always somebody who will take it. You will look that those people grow older faster and die earlier because they took the burden of others. Why did Jesus die on the cross at the age of 33? Because he took our burdens upon himself. He died early. Because we refused to bear responsibility for our sins. Therefore, he took responsibility for our sins and died. That's the principle. Because we are all called to share each other's burdens. And in a home, in a church, even in our church, the whole work of the church is done by a handful of people. A handful of people. It's not that the others cannot. But the simple things, the others will not. Others will not. Will not. Okay, some people are excused. They have married, small children and all. But if you want, you can. But the simple thing is, people and almost any church or every church in the world, it is the same story. And it is the same story in most homes. It's just a few that bear the burdens of many. Because, you know what? Hmm. They don't understand the concept about duty. Concept about duty. And that is how God comes and takes man's burden upon himself. That's, that's a fundamental principle of life. And we better get it early. Better get it early. You see, when I used to be in the church in the other, not where I went, but where I worked with that underground church, and we used to meet all were young people. And I used to tell the young people very clearly, I said, they come for night Bible study. I said, first thing, I look at the girls and say, we have come for night Bible study. You'll go back home straight after this. Two, did you escape your house chores by coming to your Bible study? When you were leaving, did your mother say, not go? You haven't done your works. I need help. I said, if you have come that way, you're not going to get anything out of this Bible study. Because this doctrine is life. If some of you have been coming for some time, and I used to ask this young man, I used to ask him, does your father have a two-wheeler? Yes. Does your father have a car? Yes. Have you ever washed it? So what did you learn? The father doesn't believe, right? He's a nominal, or he's a Buddhist, or a Hindu. Is this new life you have received is okay. practical in your home. Okay. Where he sees my son has changed. It's a radical change. I've never seen him like this. As long as he came with me to these temples, he was never like this. Now he's found this new God. His life has changed. <laughs> life has changed. Or, is it practical? That's what James is saying. Faith without works is dead. Yeah. The evidence of a change of faith, the change <clears throat> of life, is the proof of the pudding is in the eating. It's showing. He said, you see somebody hungry and he said, the Lord bless you. He says, how is that going to change him? You have the capacity to feed him. How is that going to help him? He says, the faith is practical. It is very, very practical. Don't make it impractical as a doctrine alone. A doctrine is life. And that is when they see it and when you 
consistently seek the spirit of god and do it what happens is it cannot be hidden that life cannot be hidden how do you hide that life it is impossible to hide that life that is what jesus said let your light shine let this light shine so jesus went about doing good when jesus is dead resurrected ascended to heaven the apostles step forward and they look they don't have money they said silver and gold we do not have but they started doing what he was doing they started doing what and when the church started it was fantastic the church was a complex mixture of people who did not know each other from different nations all Jews come together and i personally believe this is what happened the 3000 who got saved by people who had come from main most of them were from different places because they had come from that mandatory meeting three festivals they have to attend so they had come for pentecost and they got saved now if they go back there is no believer no church no teacher to go back to so they refused to leave but there's only one church in the entire planet earth which is in jerusalem they have nowhere to go so they refused to leave so people opened their homes said stay with us and they resold their money they sold their property and laid the money and so that everybody could stay there and learn together and think about it that's absolutely practical how do you hide that where do they go mm. if you have come from athens so if you come from tarsus you go back to tarsus there's no church there there's no apostle there there's no teacher there nobody even knows what has happened so you this 3000 could not leave jerusalem they had to be there but the community became such a close knit community they refused to leave jerusalem so god allowed persecution to come that's what happens in acts chapter 8 verse 1 great persecution and the strategic persecution if you notice the people were scattered apostles but the apostles were not and the bible says in verse 4 all those who were scattered went preaching the word they had received god said i, I, I don't want you to live together forever happy in this community because the gospel i told you has to go from jerusalem to judea to samaria to the ends of the earth mm-hmm. and you're not willing you're forgetting your com- your commission you're forgetting your commission you cannot forget your commission you need to go to the ends of the earth and they went and took it along so you need to understand how did the church begin how did the church begin how did it function mm-hmm. this is fundamental you cannot even in a home or a church you cannot take this this concept about the god given duty god given <laughs> duty and we are not picking up our lives we are laying down our lives and it's not a question about doing it secret after a point you cannot it is life you mm-hmm. cannot hide it if you are if you are in this new life and you consistently changing and you are a consistently kind person how can you hide it how can you hide it if you are a consistently generous person how do you hide it how do you, it is not possible to hide it because after some time it will go by word of mouth and if you are need to go to that person he will always help you or she will always help you it, it is known to not because word of mouth because people are looking for mercy people are looking for kindness people are looking for help they are desperate that's why they all flock to jesus christ because one thing they are sinners it is not just the sick who came to jesus don't i misunderstand it he had the power he healed them but the sinners flocked around him because they said you know what he has compassion he has compassion whenever he looked at them one word is always written he looked at them with compassion he never compromised but he never condemned 
and he set them free. So they came to him. So you couldn't hide it. Because this one scripture I know has messed up the church. Messed up the church because the church suddenly goes into secret mode. And nobody is doing anything visibly. But if you don't do anything visibly, how will the world know you are the light of the world? How will you know? Like, let me tell you, we may have issues with our doctrine, but the whole world knows Mother Teresa. Whole world knows Mother Teresa. It could never be hidden. What could not be hidden? Her works could not be hidden. She never did it for recognition. And she, she did never not do it for recognition. Once they in a prison or something, they asked her, why do I do it? And she put up her five fingers. Remember, she did it like, I do it for Jesus. She gave the answer. Okay, and that's the whole thing which you need to understand. Okay, why could God pick a simple young girl? <laughs> from Yugoslavia, spoke spoke to her to come to India and start this. And she is the only person in the Catholic history who was allowed to start something independently like that. It was an act of God in a church which is away from God. And she came here and started. And the kind of people she took care of, nobody would even look. Wow. It was just outside the Kali temple. But she practically demonstrated the works of God. It's one side of it. So it was not just doctrine. So you may question her doctrine, but you cannot question her life. Wow. You cannot question her life. I'm <sighs> not saying learn doctrine from her teaching, but learn how to do good works from her life. So when we finally shut down our special needs home, I said, if I give my children, two or three children are left, if I give my children, I'm only giving to her home. I don't trust the Protestants to take care of my children. Honestly, I said, though I'm a Protestant running a home, I said, I don't trust Protestants who run homes because it's a money-making enterprise and they don't care for the children. I've seen it. That's why I, just, I had to shut because it's so expensive to have two ayahs per child and two full-time nurses because we had to give them the best care and they survived for so many years. But if I give it, I will give it to Teresa's because I know they do care. They do care checked out, went out, and they're still doing good over there. They care for them. You know, so we need to understand that's how it works. There's no other way. Because we don't want just want ministries who don't care. Yes, People yes. are just starting ministries who don't care. Like it's all propaganda. I remember when I was in that country, in that country, working with the underground church, foreign missionaries would come in as uh, tourists. Then they found I was the only non-national there who was working among the church. So they used to ask me, can we meet you before we go? So they used to. I said, yeah, come. I said, okay, you want me to visit you where are you staying? I can come. No, you can come to my house. I said, you come to my house. There are only two chairs. You'll have to sit on the floor. So first thing I will ask them is, the way Americans and all is to come there. I said, why did you come here? I said, why did you come here? They know our church. I said, that's not what I said. Why did you come here? So, do you know this country? What is your burden for this country? What do you know about this country? Is that the entire population of this country is eight lakhs, eight hundred thousand people? 
You step across the border, you know that little town over there, Indian border on the town? The mm. population of that town is no over more. 12 or 15 lakhs. No more than you just want to put a flag on your missionary board. We visited this country also. Is that the reason? Because you all have your mission boards and you want to stick these flags. Our mission team visited all these countries. So what's the whole point? Who are you showing? I used to be very blunt with them. Absolutely blunt with them. Do you have a burden? Do you really have a burden? Do you know the people? Do you know what the issues? Do you know anything that is happening over here? No. Now you will go back and your church will put our team visited one more country. We have visited 50 countries. We have sent our team. What did you do here? Nothing. You wasted that money. Okay. So we need to ask ourselves, what, why am I doing what I am doing? Tough Who question. am I doing it for? Tough questions. Mm. Okay. Tough question. Go to Matthew 24. Uh, 24. Not 24. Okay. Matthew, I'll give it to you, I'll give it to you right now. Matthew 25. Okay. Verse 31 onwards. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in heavenly glory. All the nations will be gathered before him. He will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance for the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Now look, for I was hungry. You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty. You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger. You invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison. You came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Did you see that? So you cannot escape works. You are not saved by your works. But the saved will have works. And if the saved will not does not have works, he will be a miserable saved person. Because you were called to live the life of God. You cannot sit in a bubble. And you start from your home and go into your church and then go where the church sends you or as the Lord leads you in your personal capacity. You cannot stop from being a giver mm. because your father who recreated you in his spirit, in his image, is a giver. And he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. For God so loved the world, he did not send a book down. He gave his only son. <laughs> okay, that's what the Bible says. The word became, became flesh, flesh the book and tabernacled among mm. us. So you cannot escape this. A lot of people are miserable. It's not how much you give. Not how much you give. Even the Bible says, give according to your capacity. Yes. Capacity. It's not how much you owe. I don't know. No, you have. Elijah's widow, I said, I have nothing. The second widow also nothing. Elijah said, there's nobody called nothing. <laughs> I told, I've shared this testimony when I was in that UN camp in a third country. People who had sent out from one country, went through India to the third country, lived there for 20 years, 
living on little rice and vegetables they grew and the salt with the UN rations used to come. They are not allowed to work because they are UN refugees. So when I go over there, they all had come in there as Hindus. Now they have five or six thousand had become Christians. And I was called to minister among them. And we had a Q&A session. And the question that's dumb to me first was that they said, this is all we get every week. We've been living like this for 12, 15, 20 years. We are not allowed to work in this country. We are not allowed to go to India and work. We cannot go back to our homeland because we are not allowed to enter. What do we do? You never in your life will ever meet a set of people to, who gives you this question. And I ask the Lord, I need discernment, wisdom here. I don't know what to tell them. Because I never encountered a situation like this. The Lord gave me the answer. And it was from the Lord. I told them, any country you go, nobody has time. Everybody wants to finish, finish, finish fast, finish fans and go. You have all the time in the world because you can do nothing. Now I said, turn it around. Mm start prayer groups, start praying. You are in this country which gave you asylum. Pray for that country. You were kicked out from that country. Pray for that country. This country allowed you to come through. Pray for that country. Go like that. Pray, 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 pray. So they started prayer groups. They started praying, praying, praying. Suddenly they realized they are the richest people in the world when it came to time. Because they had all the time in the world and nothing to, to do. do. While everybody in the world have very little time to do everything they have to do. And they started praying. Now you go to that same place. The camps are closed. Everything is empty. They all spread around the world in Australia, Sweden, Norway, US. And they went in as believers and found work. And they have churches. You know why? Because everybody has something to give. Mm. Mm. There is nobody who has nothing to give. I remember the story about this Korean church when they were bankrupt and they did not have money and the church would have to close down because they would have to sell all their assets and led by the spirit, the pastor said, we have so much debt. It's a huge church, so much debt. We don't know what to do. But the spirit is prompting me to ask you to give what you can. And you wouldn't believe there was silence in the church and the first one who got up was a beggar woman who had her plate in which she used to collect her coins. She stood up and said, all I have is this. I give it to the Lord. <laughs> it started a move in the church when people started pledging. By the end of the service, the debts were cleared. Bah. People gave their land, people gave their money, everything. But it started with a beggar. Yeah, because even the beggar had a plate to give. Mm. So there's nobody. You live another life, you will be miserable. Because that is, you are blocking the life of God. There's Amen. only one way God has called us to live. He says, give. Give. You wake up every morning, lay down your life, and you start giving. You will realize that is all. That is why the Bible says there is one who gives and yet is refreshed. It is refreshed. Two things written by Jesus. One, to the Samaritan woman, the water that you, I drink, you, I give you drink, it will well up as a spring of life. Then he said to them, rewards of water it shall flow, flow out. Mm. It has to flow out. Then only fresh inflow will come. A lot of people are uh, 
sick and miserable with their Christian life is because fresh life hasn't flown in. Mm-hmm. They're still living that old Christian life which they experienced 15 years ago when they got saved. It's not flowing out because if it doesn't flow out, a new inflow will not come. This is a spring. It has to flow out. Mm. It flows out by choosing to give and not not getting offended when you don't get a thank you and appreciation. Nothing. It does not matter. It doesn't matter. You still, and you don't get bitter also. And you don't do things in an ungracious way also. Jesus did not get bitter. He did not get ungracious. His greatest statement Jesus makes on planet earth as a man is from the cross. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they are doing. He's giving them the benefit of doubt. Look at where he is, what he's going through. You can't make a statement like that. But on the spur of the moment, the thing is that that is the life he lived. So this is the climax of that life. He's still giving. What is he giving? Mercy. Mercy. Hmm. Yes, Pastor Vijay? I think we'll close close there. Yes. Yes. Can pray? Father, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this time that you've blessed us with. Lord, we thank you for speaking to our hearts. Lord, we may grow tired in our bodies, but let us never go weary in doing good. Thank you for reminding us, O Lord, stirring us up this evening, O Lord, with your word. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the questions that have come. And I pray, Lord, even as we have heard these answers, I pray, Lord, it will become life to us. Life, because your word says, my words are spirit and life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father, for this time. Not even as we have come to the end of the day, I pray, Lord, that you would all, you would grant us all, all a good night's rest. And I pray, Father, that we will be found in your house on time this tomorrow morning and to listen from you, to receive from you, and prepare ourselves continuously for your coming. We thank you, we praise you, we give you glory, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.